Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Point of Origin, episode 50, the big five zero. On this week's episode, we teach you the finer elements of how to identify the darkest timeline. The one without shrimp, right? What? <laughs> <laughs> I want you to know I took a good five seconds there to try to process that. <laughs> and it didn't work. And I'm going to stand on that pride and say, I'm Mel. And I'm Liz, and I didn't know that shrimp was what constituted a good reality. I'm not even going to explain it. I'm happy in the knowledge right now that the darkest timeline is the one with all the goatees, soul patches, and lack of shrimp. Yeah. It's in the rules. I don't make the rules. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming it's the same rules that make sure that the dolphins know when to leave. You know? So long. Yeah. Thanks, Fly back fish. up to space. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, uh, how about this week we also name our episode since we did it last week. <laughs> I was like, we're gonna do it, and we're gonna save the synopsis in the beginning too. Last week was an escapade, man. Yeah, but last week was like, there was a lot to talk about. This yeah. is just like a heist episode, so like. It is, but I like heist episodes. I like heist, I, yeah, I say just, I love, oh, gotcha. you, you know I love heists. Well, that's why I was a little confused, I was like, I thought. This was, like, your thing. No, I love heists, and okay. I love alternate realities, and I love time travel. I'm a sucker for all that shit. That I'm just saying that it's not a thought-provoking episode. Yeah, no, that makes more sense. That's fine. Cool. So, uh, today, we are covering Season 3, Episode 6, Point of View. It's one of the better-named uh, episodes. It is a good one. I, To be honest, I thought Learning Curve was actually a very good uh, That one was also pretty aptly named, actually. Yeah, you're not wrong. Mm-hmm. There's been some really good named ones and some really badly named yeah, ones. Yeah, this show tends to go one of two ways. I've noticed yeah. that their na- their titles tend to be either really good or just... Or, oh shoot, this is going out next week and we don't have a title for it yet. <laughs> Come up with something. Placeholder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, the official synopsis for this episode. We're not going to put it at the end of the episode this time. <laughs> What's the fun in that? Alternate reality versions of Carter and Kowalski are found in Area 51. Brought to Stargate Command, they start to deteriorate. Already incorrect. Uh, However, to return to their own reality means certain death as their world has been invaded by gold or golds, to quote Kowalski. (laughs) Golds. Golds. I hope they say they start to deteriorate. No, just one of them. (laughs) Just one. Read, sorry, watch the freaking episode before you write the synopsis. I think they like, I think they fast forward through it. Without pausing. So they're just like, oh, okay. But yeah, um, we were both excited for this episode. Uh, I was like, there's a li- I don't know why, it's it's a little scary to see how many writers are involved in this episode. Yeah, I don't, that's, that's weird. Especially since, I, like, the director is really good. Yeah, and I don't really, so I understand, here's the thing. Three out of four of the writers, great. Oh, well, t- two and a half. <laughs> Two and a half out of the four writers. Great. Yeah. I'm assuming that with artifact episodes like this, they just... I'm assuming it has something to do with like the writer levels of shows, where you kind of have to drag in people for certain types of episodes. Like, I get three... Here's the thing. So, two, out of, two and a half out of four of these names, great. Um, I get three of them being involved. I don't get the fourth one. Uh, instead of talking around, I'm just gonna say. Uh, so this is one of those where it's like written by a story by so and so, teleplay by so and so. So thankfully, story by where it's just the concept is the one that's a lot of people. 
and it's a story by both of our showrunners, Glasner and Wright, also by Robert C. Cooper, love him, and then also Tor Alexander Valenza. That's the one where I'm like, why is he involved? Yeah, exactly! It's not even like there's a reference to one of his episodes. They directly reference um, Robert C. Cooper's episode, and they directly reference Heather Ashe's episode, but they don't reference any of, of Valenza's episodes, so I don't understand yeah, I don't, how he's involved. I don't really remember Spirits being mentioned. No, Spirits is I not don't mentioned. Remember Michello Michello is all. not mentioned. There's nothing involving any of his episodes yeah, in this, so I don't know why he's involved. I, that's the one name where I'm like, I don't get this. And then it's the teleplay itself is by the showrunners. So the teleplay, the actual okay, script that itself, actually is by Glasner and Wright. Yeah, no, that explains a lot because don't get me wrong, I love Robert C. Cooper and I love Wright, and I don't hate Glasner. <laughs> right around the time that they introduced the f- like not fake, but I call it fake, but the fake ZPM that Jack built. Yeah, that's where the dialogue starts to um deteriorate because it starts naming things that aren't true. It was Jack that built it. He built it off of ancient tech. Sam never worked on it. They said they, that? They, yes, they mention a bunch oh, of this shit. Oh, lord. Oh, I didn't catch that. Uh, that's why I said two and a half of the four people involved in this. Because, like, Glasner's hit, hit or miss. <laughs> I don't know why it screams Glasner to me, but it does. Yeah, it does. Like, it doesn't even have as much of the snappy banter. It's got some moments of snappy banter that Brad Wright is notorious for. You can see when Brad Wright grabbed the pin. Yeah. Where Brad Wright's like, no, it's my turn. (laughs) It's my turn on the Xbox. But, like, you can also see when it was Glasner's turn on the Xbox. (laughs) You can tell. After three seasons, we can tell when a writer is involved in a part of a scene. We can recognize the directors. Like, this definitely looked like a Peter DeLuise episode. That's the director for this episode. He's even in it again. He loves the Hitchcock cameo himself. I love Hitchcock cameos. But unlike Hitchcock, he's not a monster. Yeah, exactly. I like Peter DeLuise. Um, but yeah, so a lot of people involved in this, and it's definitely not a perfect episode. Um, no, but it's pretty damn good. I love it's it. It's fun. I hate cliches as much as Jack does. That being said, I was still, at the end of this episode, basically just screaming at the screen, KISS ALREADY! You and I are going to vastly disagree on some points on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 inevitable on some of these. <laughs> I without getting too much into it, I was put out by this woman the whole time. <laughs> really? Yes. Okay, well I look forward to hearing about that. Yeah, we'll get into I, I we'll get into it when I'm put out with her, but I think part of it is that I just fu- I fucking can't stand love triangles when they're done the way that like Hollywood does it where it's like that's not a love triangle. A love triangle, that's that's a love line. Yeah, but like, I, I already don't enjoy the love triangle plot to begin with. But on top of that, I really can't stand the jealous of yourself trope. I loathe it. Yeah, I uh, I don't like jealousy of the of the self thing. I do understand what they're going for in those moments, which is, you know, more of the, it's more like envy, really. Yeah, I'm not saying I don't understand what all these characters are doing and why. I just hate it. <laughs> I felt so bad for Jack in this episode. <laughs> I was like, Jack, just leave. Just leave. Just go. <laughs> Tell him and I'm taking a vacation. I'm not dealing with this shit. I loved that he was also kind of taking everything at face value and was definitely reassessing his situation in real time the whole time. And I really liked it. 
Oh, he was great in it. I just felt real bad for him because he was being put into situations he shouldn't have been. We'll get to that. <laughs> uh, so we start out the episode with uh, we see Area Fifty One, and we we do a great little pan showing like the insides of Area Fifty One, and they do a nice little pan of like different things on shelves in this in this storage area, and then we end on. The mirror. And it's been two seasons, so I hope everyone remembers the mirror at this point. <laughs> okay, so uh, we see the mirror, and we see the mirror turn on. And then we see um, a Sam and a Kowalski escaping from firefights down a hallway, and they escape through the mirror into our world. And uh, Sam's hair is terrible. This wig is so bad it's distracting every time this woman is on screen every time every literally my notes i to differentiate between this sam and our sam i just call her bad wig the entire time she doesn't have a name in my notes she's bad wig i mean that's one way to differentiate them it's a bad wig oh it's so bad but also (laughs) i did love so they escaped through this gate and or this uh mirror sorry um and Obviously, since they just escaped into a controlled uh, room, uh, a guarded room, they get immediately swarmed by guards. And I don't know if you noticed, but did you see how this bad wig Sam was holding her gun? Oh, yeah. No, I did. I did. Uh, Like somebody who has no fucking clue. That's actually a good attention to detail, though, for directing. From a directing standpoint, it's great because it shows that she has no fucking clue what she's doing with firearms. Dude, it was less familiar than Daniel. Like, Daniel, when he's holding a hand at a gun, he definitely doesn't look happy to be holding one, but he knows what a gun is. No, it's even worse than uh, Daniel's, like you're saying, because... And I, and I think it's on purpose to tie into the dialogue. she's not in a wait team. Right. And it's, I like how it ties into the dialogue because there's like that specific scene where she even says to, you know, the other Sam, I can't imagine going military. I like how um, that does say something about Jack, though, which is that... But he didn't even teach her to protect yeah! herself! <laughs> I guess he was... Um, no, I mean, I, I kind of mean it in a good way, which was that he was always really dedicated to never letting that situation come about. See, I went the opposite direction and decided it was extra trauma from... Um, the kid? From the kid, especially yeah. since this is a universe where they didn't have Daniel, so they just blew up Abydos, which means Jack never met Skata and got to heal that way. So he never healed from that. So I think it's just more trauma. But he didn't expect aliens to come. Yeah. Probably should have if he met his wife in the Stargate program. Right. But yeah, so I loved I loved the way she was holding the gun. It's all in caps. <laughs> it's my second note. <laughs> That's how you shoot yourself in the foot there, Sam. Literally. Oh, God. Oh, so uh, they get brought in by guards, and Sam immediately starts asking to speak to the SGA commander, which is the same as, it's interesting, like, somehow, if Daniel's not a part of the program, you become Stargate, what did we decide the A stood for? Well, according to the trivia, it's never stated on screen, the, um, there's a, quite a few options it could be. Academy. Yeah, some of the, <laughs> some of the helpful <laughs> ones that the people put up were, um, administration... Or... I'd buy administration. Just had it. 
As in there, but for the grace of God, it is never stated what SGA stands for, but possible names include Stargate Association, Stargate Agency, and Stargate Administration. Agency or Administration. Yeah. Association does not make any goddamn sense. But yeah, I do think it's interesting that both times that we've seen Daniel not be involved in the program, it starts with an A. Maybe he's um, A-adverse, so whenever he's <laughs> involved. I mean, both times we've seen it, uh, Sam has also not been part of the military, so maybe it's just because in those universes there was less of a military involvement to begin with? It's not that I'm disagreeing with you, it's just that since it's under NORAD, I don't know how that would work. Well, I'm not saying, um, well, I don't know. I was gonna say, like, obviously Sam's always still worked with, like, the Pentagon and stuff. Even when she's not military, she seems to work with the Pentagon. So it would still be government involved, just not necessarily military involved. Although the military was obviously still involved. Whatever. The military is always involved. The DOD can't keep their fingers out of anything. Yeah. So, um, we cut to SGC, where Jack's clearly been woken up very early and is, like, waking himself up as he's walking down the hallway to the infirmary. And he walks in to find Badwig Sam in the infirmary, and she's surprised he's alive. Hubby? And uh, Kowalski walks up at this point and he's like, yeah, that, that's what everyone's saying about me. They're shocked I'm alive. And Janet's like, yeah, they're real. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I love shows when they do this. Now, Next Gen isn't um, actually technically the greatest example of it because they didn't intend to kill Tasha. That was because yeah. Denise Crosby left the show. But I do love it when shows do something like this where they have a character who was, you know, a fundamental character, a pivotal character, something like that, who dies early on in the show and then becomes that requisite character you bring back every <laughs> single time you want to prove that something fishy is going on. Well, Kowalski's fun. <laughs> Every time you know the situation's important in Next Gen, it's usually around the time that Tasha or her somehow blonde daughter... <laughs> I don't care if the kid's half-human. That kid's still half-Romulan, and I feel like the black hair gene is going to definitely overpower the blonde hair gene. But sure, fine, her daughter's blonde. Anyway. Sure. Um, aside from blonde, non-Tasha, and... Kowalski. I can't think of any other examples. I know there's others, but I do love it. Oh, yeah. The person who's brought back to prove that the situation is serious. It's like, it's like opposite, whatever the anti-red shirt is. It's also in Stargate, like, opposite Daniel, because, like, every time it's a bad situation, they're like, where's Daniel? Oh, he doesn't exist in this one. Wait. Oh, cool. Thanks. Where am I? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's such a great delivery still. I still fucking love that. Squinty-eyed. Where, Where am I? I? <laughs> I had to kill you. Oh, right. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, of course. <laughs> that tracks. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I, I just love seeing Kowalski. It's like, oh, good, Kowalski's back. That's how you know it's a different reality. That's how we know. You know it might be the same reality if Daniel's dead. <laughs> now, my favorite thing about this episode particularly, actually, is that I really love artifact episodes, but I love yeah. them when they're executed really well. So in this case, it, it, it is an artifact episode, and yet it actually still does tell a story that's pushing the main story of the season Absolutely. forward. Absolutely. Or mm -hmm. not like the story of the season, per se. It is not a an anchor episode that holds it down, no. but it's not just an artifact episode, too, which is pretty impressive, honestly, because artifact episodes, that tends to be the whole point of the episode. I, th I think this episode is a really strong point that, like, even though it's it's hinging on something that happened in season one, Everything else that revolves around it is all stuff that happened in this season. Apophis, the Asgard, uh, the learning curve with the Nakoda reactor. That's all stuff that happened this season. So, like, even though the artifact in question is from season one, they base it in what's happening now in this universe. And it's very smart. Oh, yeah. Oh, real fast. I did, I did forget to mention it, um, but I'm just reading my notes now. 
It's not a big thing, but it cracks me up that when they trigger the sensors in Area 51 when they come through the mirror, those guards appear really fast. Now, I know they're in a a top-secret location and so forth, but you're telling me all of those guards were literally at the doors to that particular storage room waiting in the wings? It's almost as if they knew it was a scene. The uh, break room is right next door. Okay, there we go. Yeah, that must be it. And they just keep their guns in the break room. Right, must be it. I just loved how (laughs) fast they came in. It's like whenever you hear somebody having a fake conversation on a phone and they don't wait long enough. It's kind of like that, where I'm like, eh, that wasn't long enough for these people to mobilize, but okay. <laughs> My next note on that is equally yeah. important, which was Richard Dean Anderson looks good in a leather jacket. He does, and he, we haven't really seen, I don't think we've seen much of it since, like, the pilot. He he wore the heck out of that leather jacket in the pilot, but not much since then. I was just happy to see it back. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right, that's a oh, man yeah. right there. It's great. Oh, God. <laughs> How are we going to control you when he goes silver? Not. You're not going to control me. I will be <laughs> uncontrollable. Are you kidding me? Especially since I also really appreciate his silver hair. Um, in later seasons, when Silver Fox Jack is in the same scene with buff, no giving a fuck Daniel, my- Oh, no. Ooh. Like the Threads episode? My heart <laughs> will just give out. <laughs> First of all, okay, I love Threads for many reasons. A, I love the fact that Jack's like, we are not having another funeral for Daniel. He's waiting for us to have a funeral so we can say nice things about him and then he's going to show up again. (laughs) I'm on to him. And you know what? He was rewarded by getting to see his junk five seconds later. Yeah! I know! Because right after he says it, he's like, we're we're not doing it. He's going to come back. And then he walks into another office and there's Daniel. Daniel coming out all awkwardly with the flag, like, sup. <laughs> and then I love the Bray Tag just like, Bray Tag's approving nods seems so inappropriate. He's like, ah, yes, the youth get it done much faster than I even remember. <laughs> <laughs> I love threads. So, yeah, Mel, to answer your question, you're not going to be able to control me. I'm going to be very. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to control myself. This is a great season, Mel, because this is where shit finally starts to, like, and not finally, but shit is starting to pick up. Yeah, what was nice was, let's start, like, season one was us starting the show, and, you know, we're getting introduced to new things, we're getting introduced to people, uh, we've both seen season one about 20 times, so there was a lot of fond familiarity there. Then we got to season two, and we're starting to see, like, narrative follow-through happening, where, like, timelines for most episodes seem to make sense, like, most of season two, the, the timeline for the episodes mostly made sense there was like one in there that i'm like why is that there (laughs) but otherwise it made sense and now we're getting to three where like things are happening and it's just gonna it's just gonna keep spiraling downwards it's snowball effect and it's great and uh after season seven the only thing that's gonna keep us going is uh cameron and daniel and vala's interactions (laughs) huh god even with that bad wig oof (laughs) I love how this episode we have Sam in a bad wig, and that episode Sam has a good wig, and Daniel has the bad wig. Somebody always has to have the bad wig. Yeah. You know why she had a bad wig in this? It's because all the budget went to the CGI in this episode. Yeah, and some of it was good and some of it was not. (laughs) You know, I actually didn't hate the temporal one as much as I thought I would. I didn't like it. I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. We've certainly had worse CGI, I will say that. But I will say that. Uh, so yeah, so Janet, can I, we're on the fourth note. <laughs> we need to stop talking about future episodes. I know it's mostly me, but 
So, yeah, Janet's like, yeah, they're real. Uh, and Kowalski's like, yeah, we're from a different reality. And Sam, like, takes a good, uh, bad wig Sam, takes a good hard look at Jack and goes, oh, things are different here, huh? And that's when she figures out they are not dating or married in this universe. So Kowalski asks if they've never figured out the mirror. And Jack is clearly annoyed at the mirror being brought up. He's like, you mean that thing that Daniel almost died through two years ago? That stupid thing? You mean that thing that saved your planet, Jack? Yeah, but first he lost Daniel for a couple hours. It was frustrating. And then he came back with a staff weapon shot on his arm. He didn't like that. <laughs> yeah, so he's like, no, we, we know the mirror you're talking about. <laughs> and he, bring, he explicitly brings up Daniel. And Kowalski's like, who's Daniel? <laughs> and I'm like, again, any universe that you don't have Daniel in seems to go to shit. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, Badwig Sam promises no one can follow them through since they brought their remote with them. And, uh, Hammond says that they're bringing the mirror over to Stargate Command. Um, and Kowalski mentions that their universe has been taken over by the Bold. Yeah. They cut to a briefing room. I do like how he nonchalantly just goes, oh yeah, by the way, they've just taken over everything back there. Like, he has no emotion in this episode. It's kind of a dig at the actor because, honestly, he was kind of doing his best to do Kurt Russell's interpretation of Jack, honestly, yeah. from Abydos in the original movie. I'm not kidding. It was kind of block of wood. Like, I usually I mean, like the guy who plays Kowalski, fair, but this was not his best. I will say, like, maybe he was just going for Kowalski is in shock. Like, his best friend did just die. Okay. Maybe now you say that, that might be a thing, I guess. I don't know. It's just that <laughs> half of the reason why I say that is just that, like, for example, in the pilot, he has a lot more emotion. That being said, I actually have a note here about the other Apophis. I liked how uh, the guy whose name, I just had it, something Williams. Yeah. He's a little gentler in this episode, and I'm just realizing that maybe this Kowalski's a little different because maybe he's a different version of Kowalski, so I'm kind of actually undermining myself with my own thoughts later. That's our whole job, is to undermine ourselves. Right. As we're saying something, we're like, oh, wait, maybe not. Yeah, so I guess I take it back, so yeah, never mind. But yeah, so we cut to the briefing room where the team are watching Badwig Sam's interrogation at Area 51. And she has, there's a moment where she's getting really frustrated with the questioning, and she does Jack's for crying out loud, and Jack, like, sits up a little straighter and looks back at Sam, and they both kind of, like, look at each other like, what? Sam's reaction is terrific. Another cool thing about that interrogation scene is the guy who's interrogating Badwig Sam is Peter DeLuise. I thought it might be. I was like, who's the voice? <laughs> yeah, that's his hand. Like, I, I knew the see. voice had to be someone. I just love seeing Peter DeLuise. He's fun. I like Peter DeLuise. Uh, but yeah, so <laughs> I do have a note here where I'm like, is Richard A. Anderson himself criticizing the bad wig in this scene? Because he explicitly like points out like what's with her hair. <laughs> I'm like, you're right, Jack. It is a bad wig. <laughs> I'm on the fence with some of these jokes because half of the reason why these guys are making the joke is because the Sam we know is obviously in the military, and keeps her hair yeah. short because of the utilitarian aspect of it. And they she's so much on her hair, and it's like, calm yeah. down. Yeah, it's very, she's very attractive, obviously, but that's not, you know, the focus of Sam. And they're all, not with they're, that they're, all they're all just pointing out this entire time, oh my god, look how feminine she is, oh my god, look how feminine she is, oh my god, look how Did feminine she is. Did you notice she, she is. has a slightly brighter shade of lipstick as well? Yeah. I actually like the choker thing. That was my, I thought that was the best touch was that, A, it kind of shows what she was talking about with like being dressed up for that anniversary dinner because it probably shows, it probably um, would track that they haven't really taken the time 
time to change since then, since mm-hmm. it was, you know, an emergency situation. But my, my big thing was really just the fact that I, I liked the jokes about the hair because that's how we focus on the hair. I mean, it's always those little things well, that are half it's funny, bad. right? But like we all focus on them for different reasons, and it's you know, it, and I, and I'm here for for a little bit of funny. But by like joke 912, I was like, okay, guys, we get yeah. it. She looks like a girl. Get over it. It's kind of like the black hole episode where I was like, look, the Sam does science talk, and people are like, hurry up, is funny. But not when you do it 70 times in one episode. Yeah, it's funny you bring up Matter of Time because they continue to theme here in this episode from Matter of Time, which is uh, two guys in the middle of a mission talking about something that really doesn't need to be talked about right now. Kowalski, Jesus I know, right? It's like, this is not the time for this conversation. Oh my god. We'll get there. Right? But yeah, just speaking of that. So, um, Daniel points out that this can't be the same Sam he met because, uh, they all died. <laughs> yeah, she, uh, you know, did the grenade thing. Also, she had better hair. I don't know if it's better now. I think grenades probably aren't too conducive to hairstyling. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, so, somehow, bad wi- Oh, <laughs> yeah, okay, here's my first complaint about bad wig, Sam. Like, legitimate, legitimate complaint. The bad wig is not her fault. Somehow, bad wig, Sam, explaining science to the person questioning her- Sounds far more patronizing than our Sam explaining it does. Where she's like, look, I don't expect you to understand this. I was like, okay, I know they're annoying you, but calm down, girl. Maybe, and this is me just being devil's advocate, but maybe it was uh, supposed to indicate something along the lines of this Sam hasn't had to communicate her stuff to uh, layman people as much. Or See, I'm I'm willing to buy that, especially since like she isn't involved with like the military side of things. I'm willing to buy that, but it's just it rubs wrong hearing the way she said it. Although credit to Amanda Tapping for having that, like it sounds wildly different. Like our Sam explaining science gibberish does not sound like this. I enjoy our Sam explaining science gibberish. I was like, okay, multiverse theory isn't that complicated, girl. Shut up. It could also be a compliment to Deloise's work because our Sam usually when she's gibberishing is usually a happy bubbly Sam because she's usually in her zone and it's a happy time and it's not you know the fate of the world and so forth and this one's lost her husband and her world and everything's going to shit and she's talking to a bunch of idiots so maybe she's just losing her cool a little on that and maybe that was just like that was the way of showing it all my complaints about bad wig Sam in this episode I get where she's coming from I still can't stand it. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm just devil's advocating. No, yeah, this is your turn to do it. I know, it, I was so. saying earlier, maybe we're switching on this episode. I think it's, like I said, I think it's mostly because I already don't like love triangle plots and that I really can't stand the I'm jealous of myself plot. I just got more of the impression from it of the loss rather than, like, the, like, I want what you have. Because she doesn't really want the life that our Sam has. She just wants her own life back. She just wants Jack. But my problem is that up until the last 10 seconds of this episode, she refuses to listen to Jack when he's like, I am not him. That's my problem with her. (laughs) So at this point, um, Hammond invites the alternate universe guys. My my notes have shortened them to alt guys. (laughs) I was like, I'm not going to keep writing alternate universe people. So it's like the alts. (laughs) So uh, he invites them into the raving room. And Kowalski immediately tries to attack Teal because it's Jafas. Why didn't you warn him? Yeah, these people never warn anybody. He told you. 
that their their SGC SGA was taken over by the gold, and you knew he was walking into this room with Teal'c. Why do you people never remember this ever? I understand that Teal'c is your friend, and you don't find him threatening anymore. But y'all gotta use your head. This is more of me, me being like, look, I know emotions, but use your fucking brain, right? Yeah, so they, they, they uh, yell Kowalski down, like, hey, you know, cut that out. Well, Daniel specifically is like, no, 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 he's on our side. He, he switched. And he's like, who the hell are you? <laughs> and Daniel's like, uh, I'm also on SG-1. <laughs> oh, I'm Daniel Jackson, also a member of SG-1. I'm just like, hello. <laughs> I'm so ready to be annoyed at bad wake salmon. I'm sorry. But I immediately got mad at her sneering at Sam's hair. <laughs> I'm like, have you looked at your hair? Have you looked at your hair? And you're sneering at Sam's hair right now. You have no right to judge anyone. No, I mean, I because I have to. From the devil's advocate side, I do love what it represents, which is everything that the short hair represents. You know, like, oh my yeah. god, you're so different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're. I'm. You, you are. You are going to be the devil's advocate with this episode. <laughs> Every now and then we do this. I think it's been a while. I think this is only the second time you've been the devil's advocate. But sometimes it happens. Just sometimes I get annoyed and I'm like, no. <laughs> I put my foot down and I'm like. And then I also got annoyed that she immediately went to stand, sit down next to Jack. She wants comfort. I get like again. I get it. But, like, I was, I felt so bad for Jack in this episode, because as soon as she sits down next to him, you can see he's already a little uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, no, he's definitely like, okay. <laughs> it was very pointed that she sat down next to Jack. One thing I really do like that they um don't ever actually really bring up in this, they kind of allude to it when he, when Kowalski says, yeah, I know, it's against regulations. Like, they allude to it, but they never actually call it out, and I like that because it, I like it because it's respectful to the characters that we've seen grow for three seasons, and it's dumb to assume that they would act otherwise. Yeah. Um, but I really appreciate that it's never said out loud one of the reasons why he's super uncomfortable. Every time Alt-Sam makes any sort of overture towards him, it puts him in a position where it looks like he might be taking advantage of his subordinates. <laughs> Yeah, and also, she's always doing it in front of other Exactly, Sam. exactly. Like, it, it, it might make no her uncomfortable. He has no history with you, girl. He has a history yeah. with this right. Sam. Right. And you're just, like, putting him in this position where he's forced to, like, interact with you in this really close way in front of the person he knows, who's definitely going to feel, un- whether she has feelings for Jack or not, she's going to feel uncomfortable oh, yeah. seeing you no. interact with him This would be way. HR's nightmare. This is a very why, uncomfortable situation for a lot of people. That's why Badwig drives me crazy in this episode. Yeah. And again, I get it. She's on the civilian side. She doesn't get what she's doing, but it's still fucking right. annoying. But, that, but that's what I love about this episode is that they don't ever have, like, for example, you don't have Hammond come up to Jack and be like, so I know this puts you in a bad position because of this no, or whatever. I appreciate and they don't they do don't anything to it. insinuate that anyone is thinking that Jack would do something like that because he wouldn't. But I really do appreciate all of it <laughs> for what it shows the audience which is yeah we all know what's going on there and we all know this is one piece of it and we all know that sam knows and isn't gonna be a jerk about it and that jack knows and isn't gonna be a jerk about it and alt sam doesn't know and might be a jerk about it <laughs> and it goes uh, yeah I, I just wanted to say it. i just really liked the directing aspect and the writing aspect of it uh so yes Hammond explains the plot of the Mirror episode to all the Altverse team, and Sam says that Daniel and Teal'c being involved in the program and her joining the military probably contributed 
to their world not being overrun. And bad wig Sam immediately gets offended. Like, what? So the fact that I didn't join the military is why we're screwed? And Sam's like, no, if you notice, that was the third thing I listed. Well, I mean, she's like, feeling very sensitive right now. And she yeah, even and points it out later in the hallway. Yeah, yeah. Credit to her. She does, like, own up to it later. Like, look, I'm feeling, you know, inferior because of this. But just, like, I love the Sam's like, no, it was one of... Three things I listed. <laughs> and it's also, it's like, uh, really, to be entirely fair, it's the first one. The most. Because, <laughs> like, it, as they pointed out in, in Daniel's um, Mirror episode, with Daniel and the group, they don't blow up Abydos, they find the Abydos cartouches, they have better travel, they meet more people quicker that can help them. <laughs> it comes down to having Daniel on your team. <laughs> Yeah, I like how they kind of quickly gloss over it in the interrogation scene that Sam's the one who got the Stargate to work, and it's like, how? How? Yeah, right? Especially because supposedly she got it working at the same time as Daniel. Right. She said four years ago, yep. which we're in season three, and, Abido- and the movie happened a year before season one, so about the same time. Oh, I, I like, actually- really? How? I just realized it might be insinuated by that interrogation scene. It, I ha- This is a heavy might, so don't don't fight me on this one, because I'm not uh-huh. saying it <laughs> for yeah. sure. Uh, but it might be insinuated by that that they actually didn't have the Abydos storyline at all, which is why um, Daniel's not involved. I think that it was that she got it working, kind of like Ernest- storyline slightly mm. more like they got it working okay, and yeah, figured yeah. out they just randomly yeah. dialed. and using an astrophysicist were able to figure out what other dialing addresses might be because of spatial coordinates i could totally okay. see them yeah. throwing together something really quickly like that and not having as much success because of it enough success to somehow find that quantum mirror and the gold yeah. so i mean abido's storyline must have still happened now that i'm saying it because otherwise how the fuck would apophis be involved i'm an idiot yeah that isn't <laughs> But then it just seemed like maybe the Apophis storyline wasn't happening because Daniel wasn't there. And if she got it to work, I could see the translation aspect not being as much of a thing. And if the translation aspect wasn't as much of a thing, then maybe they wouldn't have gone to Abydos. There's no reason Kelly Ra would have directly led to Apophis coming through. I think Apophis was just trying gates. Yeah, so it could it could be that the Abydos thing didn't happen. Yeah, that's maybe. that's my main thing that I'm it thinking of it be... that would involve less Daniel because if it didn't involve the pyramids and all of that shit, then it wouldn't have involved his research. I'm willing to believe that. Uh, the only reason I assumed it was the other way is because that's how it went with the other. Exactly. Universe, but... Yeah, yeah. It was literally. It's just just now that it's occurring to me. <laughs> this wasn't anything on my notes. Half the time, that's what our discussion is as right? we're talking about it. We're right? like, actually. <laughs> but yeah, just a thought. But yeah. Um. So. The alt team says that they want to stay in this world since they have nowhere else to go. And, uh, and Badwig is like, if you don't give us a second chance, I don't know any of you. And Jack is rightfully like, yeah, you don't know us. Yeah, that's a dumb line from a smart person. And that is his message to this woman the entire episode. And she does not get it until literally the last ten seconds of this episode. Well, so yeah, by... Once again, with my devil's advocating it, I uh, yeah. I do like the one aspect of it that is real. It, it just happenstance. Eric and I were actually just talking about this um, yesterday, but we were talking about cloning uh, thanks to Horizon Zero Dawn, and uh-huh. I was bringing up how um, the argument of immortality immortality may or may not apply. So you know, using another example as well, the really garbage Aeon, uh, Aeon Flux movie, Aeon, Aeon, whatever, people will sometimes call that immortality because you're the same person. 
so it's just extending your life. Uh, others mm -hmm. will argue otherwise because you don't have the same life experiences and your life experiences are what makes you you. But of course the whole thing is just the you know, nature versus nurture argument. I love moments like that when it comes into this. <laughs> you look at the same person, you look at a version of yourself and you think, okay, I'm built the same way, so all of our decisions should roughly follow the same parameters. And then you'll have you know? examples of it, like, you know, being scientifically inclined Minded, and yeah. going down these, you know, pretty specific routes and yet one person fought in the Gulf War and the other person didn't and it, you know, it's probably all down to whether or not Jacob knew a person in Vietnam or something. It's like a lot yeah. of these background things. So I, I totally get why she gets so frustrated because she's looking at somebody who should be following specific things. So this should be her Jack making the same decisions and should be acting the same way and yet isn't. And so I kind of like that it takes her the whole episode to really come to terms with it because it's hard to really force yourself around the uh, mindset of how is it the same person yet somehow completely different. See, I get that, but she was also the one lecturing uh, Peter DeLuise about uh, alternate universes. So she knows this is not her Jack. But that's so what it's... I love about it is, um, you know, comparing the rational mind versus the irrational one. Which is why I'm frustrated, because I never handle those well. Well, there you I'm go. I'm always like, fucking be rational. It's like, but emotions fucking be rational i don't care <laughs> yeah i just like it so um where the fuck am i in my notes okay yeah so they leave and uh kowalski and badwig are being led to rooms and badwig at this point admits to sam that she's struggling with like an inferiority complex because she couldn't stop the gold but sam could and here's where i'm like never mind that really the difference here was daniel <laughs> just does not acknowledge that <laughs> like she did say like oh well these three things are different it's like yeah the first one is the one that changed things <laughs> you didn't have daniel you wouldn't have gotten teal <laughs> and yeah maybe some things definitely went better for you because you're also in the military i don't know <laughs> right po possibly but the big turning point with Daniel and Teal, that's on Daniel thing here. Well, you know, Sam, she's just like Jack in that regard. They tend to take all the responsibility regardless of the situation. Yeah. Yeah, so that actually works pretty well for Brad for Badwig. But I, I like that she, you know, acknowledged. She's like, yeah, I am being a little shitty. <laughs> that's where she earned, where she, she wasn't t always on my shit list. <laughs> I just hate the hallway scene because I hate that camera doubling thing. It just never looks yeah, natural. You, it's not great. You can do whatever you want. You can try as hard as you want. It. You can't literally change physics. Sorry. Yeah, Martin Wood uh, did a better job in Michello by, like, just not doing it. Not doing it. it. Yeah, I complimented them on that. I was like, yeah. geez, I love when you just don't do it. You can do slight uh -huh. overlap, but whenever you do that directly next to probably... each other thing, I hate it. I think probably there was only so much Peter Deloise could do because part of the point of episodes like this is to have I know, the I same person it. standing next to each other. So I'm sure there was like production notes, like you have to have scenes. Let of them, me put like, this uh, a, little, a little differently. Then I hate the trope with yeah. every fiber of my being, and I really it never wish looks it would as die. good as they think it yeah. does. I mean, there's a literal, there's an entire Lizzie McGuire movie based off of it. I mean, it was just awful not because of lizzie mcguire but because of the fucking doubling thing at the end it just yeah. made it so no the trick is Ooh. you do an ashley uh, mary kate and ashley movie instead there we go so um they she drops 
a bad wig off, and she immediately, like, sits down on her bed and pulls out a wedding picture of her and Jack, and just, like, stares sadly at it That's as we fade away. a good wedding picture, I gotta say. It is a good wedding um, picture. I mostly mean in terms of the background effort that they put into it, that it's hard to get good, that candid kind of looking shots, especially when mm-hmm. you have... Especially when it's a one-shot kind of thing that isn't supposed to yeah. be a big deal. And yet they actually look... It, it says a lot about the actual chemistry of the actors yeah. that they were oh, able to put that together. it's definitely a chemistry shot. Yeah. Like, it's good chemistry there. But it looks really sweet, and it makes my heart go a flutter. <laughs> yes, I know. So, we cut to Hammond, uh, who just gets off the phone with his BFF, the president. And uh, he says that the alts can stay. Uh, but Hammond feels a little bothered by it. He's he's basically like, it just feels wrong to keep, like, I have nothing against them, but it just feels wrong to have people from another universe just living here. I don't mean this in a bad way. I like this about Hammond's character, actually, is that, you know, he's a little, you know, he's an older generation and yeah. stalwart and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. He's kind of an example of the healthy version of a God-fearing man. Yeah. So he has a, a vision of what's right in the world, and this is kind of going against that, but he's working with it. I like that Hammond is the one who had this opinion. It felt very in It felt very natural. And like, yeah. And he, yeah, and he didn't feel, and he, it wasn't like mean nature yeah, exactly, at all. Exactly, exactly. just like, exactly. it feels weird to me, but I guess yeah. we're doing it. Yeah. Like I said, he's the healthy version of a God-fearing yeah, man. Because exactly. you can Hammond's definitely great. tell like where that thread comes from. Like, this, yeah. this isn't right because this isn't the way it was made to be. Yeah. But it's happening anyway, so I best get on board. There is a loud squirrel outside. Uh, so, Jack goes to tell Badwig that they can stay, and her hair is distractingly bad. <laughs> Literally, every every time she's on screen, I'm like, oh, it's bad. It's real bad. It's because it's made out of so plastic, bad. it looks like, and it's catching every uh, little stray gust later of Later on, she'll be brushing hair. it, and I'm like, this is not helping. This is not helping. They say you don't brush dry hair, and that's why. Like, maybe comb it, maybe that would help, but brushing it's not helping. It was the 90s, remember? It was all that poof shit. I know, but it looks bad. It looks so bad. But yeah, so she's crying um, while staring at the picture, and Jack's, like, really awkward, like, and he's, he definitely doesn't want to be here, but he's like, do you want to talk about it? Well, he's clearly in his head thinking, please say no, please say no, please say no. I just want to take a moment. To, you hit something on the head there, which is, I love how much of Jack's presence in this show can be summed up as, he doesn't want to be there. That's his whole job in this episode. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. You're not wrong. She, He was definitely hoping that she'd say no. Yeah, but, so this is where I made the note where I'm like, I really don't enjoy this jealous of yourself plot line for romance, but this is where Jack learns that they were married. And at this point, an airman awkward interrupts the awkward conversation to bring her food. And uh, Sam's like, oh yeah, it's been so long since I had, you know, fresh food. Uh, it was our first anniversary. It's like, stop talking about your relationship. You're not married to this man. Stop! <laughs> but she just keeps talking about it. Just like, yeah, it was so beautiful, blah, blah, blah. But then I got the call that the golds were attacking, so we just left everything there. Our our city didn't get struck by any lasers, so, like, it might still be there. And Jack's still uncomfortable, still doesn't want to be here. He's like, well, the food's probably cold. I think it's, he definitely doesn't, he's not comfortable in the situation. He definitely does not know how to help, but I think no. he's not desperately trying to run for the hills inside, because at this point I think, this is this is my haha point of view, <laughs> because of but my shipperness. Shit. But this is kind of when I started to talk about 
how I think he's reassessing in real time because I think this is the first time he's starting to see the other side of it and he's getting a little uncomfortable because he cares and he actually mm-hmm. does want to comfort Sam and I, th- I think oh, no, he's he realizing how much he wants to comfort her but he's still wildly uncomfortable yeah no that's the thing is that's I think it's part of why he's so wildly uncomfortable I, I think he's starting to realize how much he cares and I think that's the beginning of that descent into that resignation he has in the uh, Zaytark episode. Oh, so yeah, yeah. I think this is kind of the beginning of that, is this conversation. I can't believe you remembered that word. <laughs> I can't believe it. You're not the only one. I'm just one. taking your word for it. That's I, the I'm word also for kind it. of taking my word for it. I, I'm also not entirely sure that's the right word. It sounds made up enough that it might be. There are two things I remember from that episode. The hot chick. I remember the dramatic trapped on opposite sides of an invisible wall otherwise known as my favorite scene and i remember them starting a bar fight that whole episode <laughs> is my favorite scene every bar fight single part of that episode is my favorite is scene hilarious i love martuf in it i uh, i hate that i i hate that part i love everything else about that episode <laughs> poor jr born another silver fox so, uh, oh, so Jack at this point tries to extract himself from the situation, <laughs> and, uh, Badwig is basically like, no, you should stay, and just, like, cry, and he's just like, I don't know, this is- I don't know what to <laughs> you're do. Just, you're the only one who can help me, and it's like, no, he's not, he's not, he's not, you're Jack, God damn it, woman. In a way, he's the only one who can help her, because the only person who can help her is her dead husband. no. The only person who can help her is herself. I meant from the comforting aspect. Yeah, but, yeah, but her her dead husband is there. So Jack she knows help too, her with but that. She wants a hug anyway. <sighs> like, I'm sorry. I'm just going to be annoyed this whole time. And you're allowed to do the devil's advocate thing the whole time. Like I said, we're training. We're training. <laughs> it's so funny because this part annoys me so much. But, like, I still love this episode. <laughs> Mostly for the second half of this episode. <laughs> but So he awkwardly hugs her and then leaves. <laughs> Gets the hell out of Dodge. Yeah, he's like, okay, okay, feel better, bye. <laughs> Roadrunner style. Yeah, like, runs out of there Dude. and runs into his I Sam. love the very professional look on the airman's face by the door as he's leaving. Just like, as I didn't she's anything, just desperately sir. attempting to <laughs> tell herself, I will not talk about this with everyone I know. I will not talk about this with everyone who works That's here. That's absolutely what I she's will thinking. Not yes. give in. 100%. 100%. I love that airman. It's none of my business. None of my business. She even had that like air when she brought the food. Yeah, exactly. In. Just like, sir. You can practically <laughs> see her internally squirming with both glee and dread as she's like, if I say anything yes. and if he finds out <laughs> but yeah so jack uh immediately runs into our sam and he's like yeah i'm about to tell kowalski and she's like oh no i already did that i love how comfortable she still feels around him she's been exposed to the same shit he has in terms of alt sam being super yeah. into him being really pushy <laughs> i i like that sam never apologizes for bad yeah i like that I like a lot that. and i also yeah that, that would that would have been, been, been bad that been so bad that would have been the worst writing ever you know what I figured out Tor Alexander Valenz's part in this episode. Is it the jealousy? Yes. I could see that. That's absolutely Tor Alexander yeah, Valenz's part yeah, in this. No, I don't I don't 100%. have the highest opinion of his opinion of women, uh, as, as shown yeah, by his that's writing. Why. So, yeah. Yeah. I figured it out. That's why he's involved. <laughs> that definitely would not surprise me. But it's not as bad as it could be because he didn't actually write the teleplay. He only did the story. Yeah, true. He just gave the concept, probably. Now make yeah. them bitches. <laughs> and Brad Wright and Blaster were like, 
Uh, uh, how about we no? don't? How about we avoid the cat we'll fight? We'll have conflict there, but... <laughs> no, see, a cat fight would take five minutes, and we're down to the wire on this. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff happening in this. We have we have to make a lot of things happen. We'll have to put the Jello wrestling in a different episode. In the episode where they all eat a lot of Jello? Ergo? Yeah, there we go. It's in it's the Ergo, Ergo episode. episode. On the cutting room floor. It's in a deleted scene. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, uh, I just really like how Sam is, you know... Obviously uncomfortable about the situation, too, but she doesn't feel uncomfortable around Jack because she understands yeah, what's going exactly. on. She doesn't feel like... It's part of that thing I was saying earlier where he has nothing said on screen about how he might be putting her in a bad position because he's not. He's just worried that the situation mm-hmm. might go that way. Yeah. And so I just really like how she's not worried about it because she trusts him. So Sam starts to be like, oh, yeah, I wanted to, like, talk to bad hair me. And Jack's like, mm, you should leave her be tonight. <laughs> Because he's like, uh, she did just cry all over me, and she definitely is into me, and I don't think you want to go in there right now. Especially when she's, like, crying over the picture of me and you. That's, you don't want that. He's like, you should, you should leave her alone tonight. Let her, let her adjust on her own. You know, maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow. And then he, like, tries to check in with her on how she's feeling about everything. And, uh, she's like, do you have a couple of hours? And I, I think what's great about this, this is actually, hands down, my favorite part of this episode when it comes to the weird interplay between alternate um, Sam and our Sam and our Jack and, like, the exchange of, you know, relationships there. Is it like, this, Jack has just come out of listening to Sam, like, pour her heart out about what she's feeling. So he's like, uh, do you want to talk about it? And she's like, do you have a couple hours? And he's like, uh, okay? Like, he's still not excited by it, but he's like, I guess. And she's like, that was the answer, sir. <laughs> because it's like, no, this is, this is our Sam. No, she's like, no, that was just, it was, it Sarcasm. was. Sarcasm. Again, I love when I can't fucking think of words. Um, Figure of speech. It was a hypothetical question. <laughs> It was a hypothetical, it was just, you know, it was to portray that I had a lot of thoughts, but I'm keeping them to myself. <laughs> I think I got more of an impression that he actually wanted to sit down with her, but that's also me being shippery. Here's the thing, I don't disagree with you there. Like, if he didn't want to, he wouldn't have, like, said yes, but he's still uncomfortable. Like, that's why the, the okay, like, drags on. No, I got, that's what I'm saying. I, like, got, I got less of the discomfort, and I got, yeah, I got a different trail off. I got... The other kind of trail off. Just a little different. I think he's uncomfortable because he's, like, it's the potential of their relationship changing a little bit. I think that was him potentially going like, okay, let's do this. Here's the thing. This one scene, I agree with you. I love it. Yeah, I like I like. It's a nice little parallel to the Sam he just left behind. Yeah. I I like it. That she's just like, that that was the answer. (laughs) And he's like, oh, all right. So then they split off. Um, and this is where uh, Badwig decides that brushing her hair is going to help somehow. Uh, and then she has a weird seizure thing. And then we cut to the infirmary, where everyone is gathered to witness it happening again. And I'm not a fan of this. <laughs> I I get what they're going for. Yeah. It, it's got too much of a supernatural look to it. It's got like that like possessed, haunted sort of... I don't, it doesn't look like a science failure. It doesn't look so much like phasing as it does 
ghosty. Like ghosts trying to like crawl yeah, out of her face. They quite have gone down that route as much, I think, if they hadn't done one thing that up until this exact moment I was actually kind of here for, but now I'm realizing it, it does kind of lean towards the ghosty vibe a little more, um, was they uh, at one point throw in a little scream effect. Yeah. Like part of her is phasing and, and hollering at it. Yeah, like it's, the, I think the CGI itself is not bad. I'm just not a fan of the effect itself. Because... Because they basically, both Sams are basically like, this is not a medical problem, this is entropic cascade failure. Like, it's a temporal science right. problem. Like, it is a scientific issue, and it just looks way too supernatural to be a scientific issue. I do also love that while they're talking about this being a temporal issue of alternate universes and the fact that there are two Sams here, Sam continues to hold her own hand. I had the same thought. Like, I don't think I that's had the same helping. thought. I'm like, and direct contact isn't accelerating that or anything? Okay, that's odd. I would think proximity would speed that up. I had direct thoughts to um, uh, one of the early episodes of the reboot, or the reintroduction, I guess, because it's not really a reboot. You know what I mean, of Doctor Who. Yeah. When when Doctor Who yeah. came back, and it was, I believe it was the first season with, with the ninth Doctor, where there was uh, the threat of a paradox being formed, if you touch yeah. yourself. And I was just like, why are you holding your own hand? Don't do that. Yeah, it sounds like Eccleston. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Eccleston. I'm pretty sure. It was the one where they went back and Rose tried to save her own dad. And he had to tell her not to t touch baby her. Should you be holding hands? Because that can't be helping. Yeah. I do It's just All wild. All the science fiction I know tells me that's not good. <laughs> As she's talking about the entropic cascade failure, she continues to hold her own hand. And I'm like, yeah. girl, girl. Come you know on! The reason why Come they never on. actually say anything about it? It's because the episode wants to have the dynamic of the two Sams working together, and if they have that, yeah. they need to not have the entropy as a thing. Mm -hmm. But they do, so they have to just not mention how proximity has no. Yeah. Nothing to do with this. You damn well know someone had to have come up with this too. Like, oh yeah, they should probably stay far apart. And then somebody else goes, but then how are they going to work together? Yeah, exactly. So, um, Kwaski's like, well, I'm fine. I'm not having any bad reactions. They're like, you yeah, because your version here is dead. And they're like, oh. <laughs> so, they're, they're like, well, the only way to keep Badway alive is to send her back to her universe. But she'll die if she goes there because the gold have taken it over. I don't know why, but for a second there, my my only thought was, when you were saying that, was the only way to save Badwig is to give her a haircut. <laughs> Maybe it would help. I don't know why, but that was literally where I thought you were going with it for a sec. <laughs> I mean, she could use one. She really could. So, uh, so after being like, well, but, but, uh, her universe has been taken over by the gold, so sending her there will kill her anyway as well. Then we get to a briefing room, where Daniel's like, well, we just saved her world from the gold. And they're like... I don't follow Daniel. <laughs> and he's like, look, we use our own resources to help them. We've met a lot of people who can help us. Specifically, I'm thinking the Asgard right now. And we can get them, we can call them in her world to come help them. Um, and they come up with this plan where they're going to use the dialing program that Jack used to get to Asgard. They still have it in the computer. They're going to put it on a hard drive. And then they're like, okay, well, we, we don't have enough power to dial through, even if we take that to her world. Like, your generator was one-time use. We still have it, but don't this work This is no where the more. dialogue started to really go downhill, because she says, I never knew how to make, I'm not even sure how I got to work the first time. And I'm like, you didn't. Jack did. And then she's like, I can't get it to work a second time. And I'm like, okay, then get Jack on board. And then she says, it looks like it was designed to only work once. And I go, of course it was. 
Yeah. It just kind of went downhill from there, especially when she started attributing it all tech-wise to the Asgard, because it's like, that. I know you yeah. don't know exactly who the ancients are yet. I know you don't know necessarily where the source actually is, but it definitely ain't the Asgard. I think that comes down to the fact that Robert C. Cooper was only involved in the story, not yeah. the teleplay. <laughs> so, like, he's like, yeah, we can use the, the generator from the Fifth Race one. And then Glasner and Wright didn't bother to go back and reread the script. And we're like, well, science, it must have been Sam, right? It's like, no. <laughs> but, okay. So, so yeah, they're like, well, it didn't work last time. Uh, I mean, it, it won't work again. Um, so it, uh, while they're trying to talk out all the issues, Kowalski asks to join the briefing, and he vows to help get Badwig back uh, safely. I love that. I love it because I I love his line. She's my best friend. Yeah, Fran. She's my best friend's wife. Fran. And I love how after he says that, it takes Jack a solid while to stop wincing. <laughs> he just. Kind of, yeah. He's he just like, kind of keeps like, reacting it, to it. He just just wins once. He just keeps wincing as yeah. the scene goes, and I really liked it. It just kind of kept hitting him like a wave. <laughs> Why did you have to fucking say that at the briefing? <laughs> but yeah, um, Jack still pained. Says they still need someone to hook the generator up and install the dialing program. And he looks like, and you'll also need me. And Kowalski wants to be like, uh, no thanks, buddy. And they're like, no, you 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 could really use Teal'c. Like Daniel's like, no, you you could really use Teal'c. Uh, evil Teal'c led the assault on your mountain, uh, so he'd be a great plant for you over there. <laughs> Jack's like commends him for his military mind. <laughs> And how Daniel has this look like, should I feel complimented for that? <laughs> Are you making fun of me, Jack? I do like how Jack makes sure to not forget his other partner. Mm-hmm. Well, he's like, listen, you, you probably feel really neglected right now because there's two Sams here and one of them's really demanding a lot of my time. Plus, we already know the other you is probably dead. Oh, we don't know that for sure. You damn well know if he's not in Stargate Command, then he's in Egypt. And whenever he's in Egypt, he dies. Listen, we'll talk about that. So, uh, every time I look away, I forget where I am. Sam points out that entropic cascade failure would also hurt Teal'c and herself, uh, so they can't go through. And Teal'c's like, yeah, but that took 48 hours for it to affect bad haircut. So... Uh, if we're still there 48 hours from now, we're probably dead. Probably the least of our concerns. Yeah, exactly. And then they're like, okay, well, we got some plans. Let's try and get this going. So uh, Jack goes with the two Sams to go deal with the generator, and he has to deal with two Sams talking science at him. His eyes are just like, <laughs> you can practically see them rolling up in his skull. It's great. Uh, so they just start talking at each other to try and solve the generator problem. Meanwhile, Kowalski decides to show Daniel how to use the remote for the mirror. <laughs> so the dual Sams both come in and are like, we solved it! It's working! That was fast. And uh, I do like, yeah, I like that, well, they give a little bit of a, a reason for it and it makes oh, sense. Oh, it makes sense. they talk about like, yeah, they talk about, oh, we just had to calculate like the decay rate of the blah blah oh, blah. Like... And they're like, and Sam says, yeah, I used my knowledge from learning the, how to make the Knockwood a generator uh, last episode. I'm not gonna get into it because it's not exactly like I have a whole, you know, wealth of knowledge on this. However, I'm definitely attributing this to the same thing I was just bitching about with the bad dialogue because I'm pretty sure this is a flaw in that 
This kind of compares ZPMs to Naquita generators in an in a unfamiliar way. I know that the thing was never actually stated to be a, a, a zero-point module. I know there's no actual, like, vacuum tech in there. Yeah, but you and I right. think it's a and so I, I'm just saying, like, I know on screen they've never stated anything, and so I know I'm not really complaining about anything that's actually been said, but it's pretty heavily clear to me later, especially with other details, that this is basically a ZPM in terms of power equivalence. And yeah. that is... By nature of the show, meant to be a whole buttload, a metric fuck ton more power than, I mean, they go up to like, what was it, like, Mark II, Mark III, Nakoda generators by SGA time period. So, and, uh -huh. and a ZPM is still massively more powerful than that. So no, no, sorry, your knowledge of a Nakoda generator isn't going to help you with no, shit here. No, here's the thing. I think you're you're simpl simplifying this a little bit more. Um, it's literally the fact that they said that all they needed to do to get the generator fixed was have the equation for the decay rate of Nakwita. Which is used in this generator, I guess. I guess it doesn't yes. not make sense. It still just makes a weird semi-equivalence to me that kind of bugs me. It seemed like it was saying that Nakwita in this particular instance can be harnessed in a different way to do a one-time only or a short-term burst kind of power burst thing. But you also have to keep in mind that uh, this was a generator that Jack had to put together right. with re resources no, he had no, in I'm taking that. I am taking that into account. That's, that's furthering my argument. It just it cracks me up a little bit that they're able to make something well, that they has... they have access to the That's Nakwita. what I'm saying. They have ac access to, to Nakwita. They have access to the things that we've seen, and somehow that's making something that has a power output that's semi-equivalent to a ZPM, which the show will tell you later is not even remotely similar in terms of power outputs. One is like a double-A battery, and the other one is like, I don't know, a much bigger battery. <laughs> and so it's just a little funny to me that there's a semi-equivalence getting put here by saying that the, the Nakwita decay rate is all that was needed. So I'm like, okay, cool. So Nakwita plays a huge part of this generator somehow, and yet it acts as if it's kind of a mini ZPM, which just doesn't make as much sense to me, considering how Nakoda generators don't make that much power. I'm not actually complaining, don't get me wrong, because again, I don't mm -hmm. have any of this knowledge to back it up, and it's really, really, really up to interpretation. So, you you lingered on that. What'd you linger on? I lingered on, why did you have Daniel looking for the right universe? Because he needed something to do. And because... By by like, default, he's, he's like, technically I'll the expert. I'll describe it to you. Now you need to find it. He's, and he's, he's like, their okay. resident expert. Now. <laughs> he's the only one who's used it. He's used it all of once. That makes him the expert. Uh, it was just wild. Um, I mean, he had to have a job. Exactly. He needed to so have some screen time. He had to have an excuse to be in here so he could get beat up later ah, on. There we go. So the team are suiting up to go through, and Sam is staying behind. Uh, Teal'c is dressed up as a first prime again. And Daniel is also coming through because he's in charge of the remote. <laughs> and he also has to get smacked around a little bit later on because that's his job. Well, they needed a damsel in distress. I thought it was Hammond in this episode. But yeah, so they all go through. We see a whole bunch of Jaffa march by and the team like hide and wait until they walk by. And then Daniel has to turn the the mirror off to make sure that they don't get any attention that they shouldn't, which is a plot point-ish Ish, I, I do love uh, when Jack is going like, kill it! F okay, first thought that came to me when he did that was like, Sigourney Weaver, like, no, you gave yeah, me yeah, the yeah. kill gesture! <laughs> like, I know where the hold button is. And then my second thought was, with Daniel, was 
I love him going like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to. Don't make me turn it off. And Jack's like, <laughs> fucking do it. <laughs> I just love Daniel's reaction. Daniel's thinking it was so hard to find this the first time. <laughs> like, there's not a lot of Daniel-Jack interaction, but what there is is really good. They're always good. precious. Hell yeah. Speaking of chemistry. So, uh, as soon as the Jafal walk by, the team, um, sans Daniel. Daniel's gonna stick behind all, like, trail out after these Jaffa are like just literally like stealthing right behind them. I love how they just don't notice anything. I mean I know it's I also know. supposed to be that they're good at their jobs and so they're being real hella quiet and shit but yeah. Steal. So they follow the Jaffa to the gate room where they see evil Teal'c and Apophis both with their requisite evil goatees. I just I can hear Abed in the background and going, I cut us out some little felt goatees until ours grow in. I I will say I thought Apophis's fake go- goatee looked terrible. He looked hella good in it, so I wasn't really complaining. You know me with dudes and facial hair, except for the soul patch. The soul patch mm-hmm. was a bit much on Teal'c. I wasn't really. I don't even like the one he gets later in the show. The little blonde one he gets. That's that's not my favorite. Oh god, the blonde one. <laughs> I didn't dig Teal'c's soul patch, but I I did dig uh, Apophis's goatee. Although I did kind of want to call it Bianca. But yeah. So we see the the evil goatees, and like Apophis has like a little like tete a tete with with evil Teal'c, like they do. Like oh yeah, keep doing my job, cool, cool. You know that kind I love of exchange. evil tete a tete. Yeah, uh, and then uh, Teal'c starts to lead the Jaffa back out down another hallway, and then Jack from a distance like throws a little rock to get some attention, and magically. Only Teal'c comes to investigate the sound. <laughs> Verizon, New Dawn, Zero Dawn, it's like the lure call. It only catches one of one monster's attention every time. It's so perfect. Yes! But they lure evil Teal'c into the room with, with our Teal'c. <laughs> There's immediately a face-off where they're like, uh... The spearing was less shitty. This is the moment where I was like, how does our Teal'c already have a fake... Right, where the, where the fuck did they get this? Okay, okay, so here's the thing. I'm assuming it was off screen that, like, Sam, um, Alt-Sam and Kowalski said gave that he them has a description this. of what, you know, Alt-Teal look, looks it like. It has to be. And they must have gotten themselves a fake goatee before they came through. Otherwise, it's like, what did you do? Rip some hair off a dead dude and glue it to your face real fast? I mean, I, don't know. I was getting glippily vibes. I'm like, what are you gluing here? I just thought it was so funny because it's like, how does he suddenly have facial hair? I was so confused for a minute. I had to rewind back to a previous scene to make sure Teal'c didn't always I have did the facial same hair thing. in this I did the episode. Same thing. I was, like, was he wearing it earlier? Did he go through the gate with that? Was he just walking through the like Stargate <laughs> Command with everybody walking by, by him? Going, what the fuck was that? Uh, that was so confused. Yeah, no, it was very confusing. They should. Whenever you do something like that, you need to have a scene left in where you show something, somebody putting it on or something. Even just as they're walking into the gate, have have Badwig tell Teal'c he's got to go tea on <laughs> anything. Seriously, but yeah. So uh, Teal'c gives Evil Teal'c an opportunity to uh, denounce his false gods, and Evil Teal'c's like, no. So Teal'c kills him. <laughs> I mean, credit to Teal'c, he's fast. I love that Jack's like, you were supposed to just zat him. And I love how ice cold Teal'c is. He's like, our reality is the only one that matters. I was like, oh shit, man. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, damn, Teal'c is cold as ice. I loved it. I fucking loved it. He had his focus. He knew what was up. He's like, I just really 
thought it was very accurate to his character that he's like, I will either live free or I will be dead in every universe I have the option I kind of expected him to say something like that, like, it's better to die than to be in service or some shit, you know? Mm -hmm. Another version of him would know that or something. I was expecting something along those lines, too, but nope, they went with the, uh character development one which i really liked i loved it it was great it was a great line and uh so teal decides to play the fake guard prisoner gambit with badwig this works and yeah <laughs> oh there's a part later on where it's okay this one is fine because they don't have very long for it to like be weird there's a part later on where it, it goes the, on entirely too long. <laughs> yeah, where it's like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, no, you're not wrong. <laughs> this man needs to be fired. But, uh... Yeah, yeah, fired. We'll get there. So, so he plays the, the fake guard thing with Badwig. Um, Jack asks Daniel what Cree means while Daniel's looking for the their, their universe in the mirror again. And Daniel's like, well, it can mean a lot of things. Like, listen up. Tension, I, I do love blah, blah, how he's blah. just now asking what Cree means. It's been three fucking seasons, man. And it's in the middle of a mission where all of a sudden he's coming up. He's got his Dude, priorities. This guy's trying to get you home. That thing that in the movie he's notoriously bad at doing. <laughs> so it's funny that you're distracting him right now in the middle of this. When he, re- when he really should have asked um, what Cree meant was after he failed to speak in gold when he was pretending to be a gold in the Hathor episode. Where he's like, Cree! <laughs> you heard me? Cree! My favorite part about that, Mel, is he even says, so it's basically yoo-hoo? So that means that uh, Jack basically screamed, you heard me? Yoo-hoo! <laughs> Love it. It's some great nonsense. But I love that Daniel, even while he's, like, dialing through the gate, the, the mirror, like, answers him. <laughs> so, um, Jack and Kowalski leave him to find their reality on the mirror. <laughs> I like Kowalski pointedly closes the door behind him. <laughs> no one will find him. It's fine. <laughs> and, uh, never mind that they saw people escaping through that mirror earlier. <laughs> So, Jack and Kowalski break into the bowels of command through, like, one of those little, like, uh, maintenance hallway things, you know, where you break open a hatch and and you climb inside the walls, basically. That's how they're getting through, uh, command right now. Uh, and their, their goal is to get to the power grid. Uh, meanwhile, Apophis is attempting to torture the gate address information for where all of Earth's leaders were sent, you know, uh, beta site from Hammond, and Teal comes in with Badwig and manages to get left alone with Badwig and and Hammond to, like, oh, well, you take over questioning them. And immediately Hammond's like, I won't tell you anything. And Badwig's like, no, don't worry, he's he's helping us. <laughs> Hammond's like, what? Yeah, it's fine, it's fine, don't worry, don't about, worry it. about it. <laughs> I'll explain later if we all survive this. I mean, priorities, man. Yeah. So she starts doing, like, the, the gate dialing shit. She starts doing the, the programming side of things. Uh, meanwhile, she does say that, like, their plan is to call the Asgard right. for help and everything. And they see, while this is happening, while she's setting up the program and everything, that the gold mothership has started to land on the mountain. And at this moment, Kowalski tries to talk up dating J- Sam to Jack. And Jack's just like, 
This is wildly inappropriate. So not the time. So not the place. So not your uh-huh. best friend. This isn't your Jack either, Kowalski. This is not... I know. Okay, first off, would this have been appropriate in your universe during a mission? I don't think so. Second, this is a no. different oh, Jack no. trying to save your planet right now, you dick. And you're talking to him about this right now. Yeah, and Jack even, like, points out, like, because he, he explicitly says, like, that is inappropriate. Because, A, first of all, you're on a mission, you can't be bringing that right. shit up in the middle of a mission anyway. And also, Sam is his subordinate. And I love how Kowalski just completely shrugs that off. Like, oh, yeah, it, you know, it's against regulations. And it's like, yeah, and your career military. This shouldn't be a... And he respects Sam. Also, I love how you're just leaving out this part where maybe she's not wanting any of this. Like, just because I'm shipping it right? doesn't mean that I'm not taking into account the fact that Sam is a person. I just, it's, it's, it's a, like it's a weird Jack, conversation. Like, immediately shut him down. Like, this is not a conversation. They're always going to be endgame for me. I'm a huge shipper. Yeah. And even I think this is the most shoehorned, bullshit, forced <laughs> romance subplot crap in the middle of an episode that already set up the romance subplot just fine on its own. You didn't need this conversation, and you especially didn't need it here. Mm -hmm. So Daniel thinks he's found the right place in the mirror. And I do actually really like this, like, wordless exchange, because, like, he sees Sam behind, like, a barrier, and, like, she starts to walk forward, and, like, they're both, like, waving at each other and, like, mouthing because they can't hear each other through the mirror. This is where the question starts. And then he, like, start. looks a little bit closer, and he looks a little bit closer, and he sees Captain on her jacket. He's like, mm, not quite. <laughs> and he just has this kind of, like, awkward, like, wave off, like, okay, bye again. <laughs> I-, I love his dialogue during all of these parts, like, whoop too far at one point and stuff like that yeah okay so here okay i wasn't asking it earlier but i'm asking it now yeah this just not in a bad way but this creates so many questions for me so does this mean that there's other universes that this that that this storyline is also playing out in because it kind of looks like they're also mounting a rescue mission of sorts because it kind of looks like she's waiting for maybe it's not maybe it's not even the same mission but it does create so many questions about what that sam is waiting for and what else they use the mirror for it's just there's so many questions here like are they also doing a a rescue (laughs) are they also doing a rescue mission like this or is it something else and if it is does that mean there's another daniel out there also trying to dial the quantum mirrors back to his (laughs) and it just cracks me up and also makes my brain spiral down all the possibilities well i mean one of the concepts of the multiverse theory is the idea that there are like countless alternate realities where one single thing has changed so like yeah i completely buy that this is the one universe where everything stayed the same except that like the episode where sam had to take control of the mission didn't happen, so she didn't get that promotion. Or it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Like, the Hathor thing yeah. never happened. So, you know. Yeah. Or it's going to happen, but yeah. hasn't happened yet. Yeah. I I believe it. I think it's a great little thing to uh, just be like, yeah, there's, there's lots of other options out there. I also like the fact that while he's scrolling through on both sides, he sees so many universes where they've been oh, taking over. Oh, I know, over. there's a bunch. Which tells me that this program maybe isn't the best plan if their security is going to be this bad. Well, it seems like it's, most of them seem to be gold invasions, so it seems like then get better I always security. got the impression, I'm like, you guys are so lucky you got Daniel in right. yours. <laughs> 
I love the ones where you can see like some guards uh, standing standing guard as if they've been there for a little bit. And then you have some that are uh, knocking down prisoners down a hallway, mm-hmm. shuffling them away to execution, probably. Yeah. Shit like that. It's all fun. Yeah, it's good. So, uh, uh, so Badway gets the dialing program installed, and she's like, okay, now we just need the generator to kick on. And right at that moment, the generator kicks Holy on. Holy convenience, Batman. It works, because they all knew they were timing things, so I believe it. This is one of those convenience things where it's like, they were timing this mission this way, so it works. And she, she continues to be wildly inappropriate by just deciding to kiss Teal'c on the cheek at this point. I thought it was sweet. And Teal'c's also like, what are you- I love his little (laughs) blink blink. He's so fucking confused. And at this point, another Jaffa- and the, 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 the gate finishes dialing through, and this is the part where it's like, okay, this is the capital T, this, capital W works. So- Badwig's about to run through the gate, and as she's running through, a Jaffa comes into the gate room and starts, like, being ready to fire on her. And Teal'c, from the dialing room, just starts yelling at him. And despite the fact that it's very obvious this woman is escaping, the first prime yelling at him is enough to make him stop and let her run through. That, uh, that brainwashing goes And of course, immediately deep. afterwards, Apophis shows up behind Teal'c, like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> And uh, at the same time, Kowalski and Jack get back to the room that had the mirror and Daniel in it to find that Daniel has been taken captive. By Benny from Supernatural. <laughs> yeah, true. Because you gotta have a damsel, and Daniel's Daniel's it. Daniel's the damsel. I just started giggling because it took it took me a couple seconds because of the goatee. Because again, darkest timeline t- goatee. But I was blink yeah. blink and went, "Holy fuck, that's Benny! Look at that!" <laughs> yeah. Uh, so everyone gets taken to the gate room where they are all brought to kneel in front of Apophis, and he starts being like, hey, what the fuck? I killed you to Jack. And Jack's like, I'm much better now. I got better. <laughs> I got better. <laughs> you turned me into a newt. A newt? I got better. <laughs> One of the best jokes from that <laughs> movie. And that's easily, like, their strongest movie, too. So, yeah. Uh, and then t- Daniel also decides to take a cue from Jack and smarts off to Apophis. And then Hammond gets shot once with a zat. And Jack's like, does the second shot still kill in this universe? <laughs> and uh, they're, he's like, you better freaking tell, tell me, you know, what's going on, how this works. And Jack's like, look, I'd love to. But I don't understand it. And throws Daniel under the bus. Daniel under the I bus. Know. <laughs> he knows. Liz, I love how you and did you like in your notes literally say throws Daniel under the bus? Because that's in my notes in all caps. Throws Daniel under the bus. Word for word. Because <laughs> that's what he does. He throws Daniel under the bus. Oh my lord. And Daniel like gives him this look like what the fuck? But then he starts doing it. He's like, okay. And he just starts explaining multiverse theory. And I, I like to believe that Apophis doesn't get it. And that's why he decides to start shooting people. <laughs> he's confused and he doesn't like it. So he's just like, right. kill him. <laughs> so he shoots Hammond a second time. And now Hammond's dead. Bitch move. Bitch move. And at that point, um, they shoot Daniel once as well. And I like how, like, they were already unhappy that Hammond got killed. 
But then, like, Daniel gets shot once, and then, like, Jack, obviously, but even credit to Kowalski, Kowalski does not know Daniel. They both get really mad, and, like, he's telling yeah, the truth. Yeah, like, he was trying. like, if Daniel gets shot again, because <laughs> if Daniel gets shot again, he's dead. Yep. But, I, like, obviously, Jack is, like, worried at that point. Um, but I like that Kowalski also, like, took Jack's cue and was also, like, ready to, like, get up off his knees and fight Apophis bare yes. fist. <laughs> like, he said the truth and he didn't fucking like it. I think it. there's a reason why Kowalski dies in a lot of these universes. Yeah. I like Kowalski. Oh, hell yeah. He <laughs> acts a certain way and gets himself killed. Hell yeah. So, uh, at this point, uh, the Asgard arrive, um, and Apophis, it seems like they stole Apophis. Because it was teleport technology, and the gold only have teleport technology when it comes to rings. So I think I think the, the Asgard just grabbed Apophis. Yeah, I, uh, I wonder if that's supposed to be a teleport always, or if sometimes it's like a ray weapon, because... It, it right, like and in this case it looks like a teleport, but like, there's that one time it was used on that pyramid ship, on the mothership. So, and it looked, it looked kind of destroyed. Yeah, yeah, it. So I'm, I'm guessing he was teleported, but it'd be really funny if they just went, like, you know, bazap and literally just killed him on, him on the spot. <laughs> Why not, man? Why not? Uh, but yeah, so they they grab uh, Apophis. They also grab Hammond dead on the ground. Uh, that's another it's point. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. Because it's, okay, so unless you're also going to grab every other freshly killed person and revive them Maybe as well. Okay, but <laughs> mm, of all the things to not say anything about, that one grabs me the most. I, we'll get to that because I actually have a comment on that. Um, but uh, yeah, so they show up and uh, all the Jaffa are like, oh shit. And they all just start running through the gate to leave. I'm like, oh no, not the Asgard! <laughs> and like, you see all the Jaffa running through the gate, and you see the mothership just like fucking leave. Like, Peace. we're out! <laughs> and this is where I had the question do you think the replicators are a problem in this reality if the Asgard could come so they quickly? They did. They they teleported, not teleported, they tra- uh, they traveled. There we go, there's the word. They traveled between galaxies uh, real fast there, so that does indicate that they have some resources at their disposal. Yeah, I just, I, I, it makes me think the replicators are not an issue in this universe. Because, mm. like, Thor explicitly we said, don't have the resources for you this. know, in ours, that, like, we can't come fight a war for you. The best I can do is get you negotiations. We don't have the resources to come fight a war for you. I could do it that one time because it was one of the protected worlds, and I already had, like, eyes on that planet. But I can't do that here, you know? Yeah, so... So I, that was, I thought that was an interesting question. And then Badway gets teleported back down, and she's like, I'm at the Asgard. And they're like, yeah, we, we, we could tell. <laughs> yeah, it's another dumb line from a smart person. <laughs> um, and then right after she gets teleported down, Living Hammond gets teleported down. And knowing what we know about the Asgard, did they revive him, or did they just make a really fast clone of I'm him? I'm really hoping it's the first thing. <laughs> Have we seen them do revivals, though? I could see it. I don't. I think one of the reasons why they don't reanimate their own dead is mostly because of all the deterioration that's come from all the generations of cloning. I don't think it's much much of an option mm-hmm. for them, but I think it's still an option. Would be an option, I think, for others. Heavy, heavily emphasizing the think here. Listen, I'm willing to believe it, but I also like the idea that it's just a clone of him. <laughs> I, I just, I would love to know. It's not like he would know. It's not like right? he would know. I, I would just love to know where their window is of opportunity when it comes to revival yeah. because i'm guessing jack being dead for three or four days on this planet is probably too dead for revival but Maybe. at the same time let's say he was one of the first dead and you tossed him into a cooler would that count yeah we do a double boy butler treatment 
So, uh, I love that, so as soon as they showed up, Jack, like, looked up at the ceiling and was like, I really love those guys. And then they teleport Living Hammond down, and he's like, I love those guys. Ah, <laughs> uh, wrap-ups, just fixing everything. Also, right? what the fuck? So, Why would they even know to scan for a necrotic human to revive down there? Sam left before anything happened. All I can think is that that uh, maybe maybe Badwig was watching, and she's like, "Oh no, I Hannah, guess that could work. I guess, but yeah, yeah, it's it's nebulous. It doesn't ultimately it doesn't matter. <laughs> We're never going to see wrap ups. Never matter. <laughs> yeah. So on the subject of wrap ups, uh, Jack and Kowalski say goodbye to each other. Kowalski gets the live for a great once. moment where he respectfully, yeah. But Kowalski, it's a great moment where he respectfully salutes Teal'c, and Teal'c just does, like, a steady nod back to him. And then Jack has to remind Badwig again that he is not her husband. She has to finally come round to it. It's an emotional journey for her. Listen, again, I'm saying I I understand, but it frustrates the fuck out of me. Because <laughs> personally, I can't understand. <laughs> So, uh, Teal'c and Daniel leave first, and I actually really like the effect for traveling through the mirror, where, like, they touch it, and then there's, like, the zappy, and then suddenly they're, like, reflected on the other side of the mirror. I think it's a really good uh, visual. Very Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. And then, (laughs) this is, with everyone watching, including herself, through the mirror, she just fucking grabs Jack and kisses him. (sighs) I know you like this. I hate it. I hate it. The only good thing out of this is that when she pulls back, she finally fucking realizes, oh, you're not him. And he's like, yeah, that's what I've been telling you this whole episode. (laughs) But uh, he leaves. He goes through the mirror. And we close on her crying again. I love uncomfortable Sam in the mirror. Just going like, oh dear, before that. Yeah, I felt bad for Sam. Like, she, like, looked away. Like, uh, I was most, I think part of why I was so frustrated with this woman is because she kept, like, putting Sam in a Right, just positions. kind of screwing over her other side there. Hey, you know what? She's literally this... never going to see this guy again, and this is the only goodbye she gets for her husband, so I'm not going to knock it. I mean, why, why, I'm sure she got a goodbye. He got shot in a hallway. <laughs> Yeah, but they went in knowing right, they were Right, but this is definitely a less traumatic goodbye. Okay, sure. Alright, but that's the end of this episode. <laughs> I know I've been complaining this whole episode, but I do like this episode. I just hate the love triangle with yourself angle. So, uh, oh. <laughs> Let's go straight into some actual talking about this episode. Um, I, pre- I, I alluded to it earlier. Deaths for this episode. Now, we've already talked in the last Mirror episode how it counts if it's in an alternate yep. reality. Which means that uh, Jack... Oh, shit, it's been a while since I had to do some of these. Uh, it's, we haven't had a death since season two, so I haven't I mean, had to do Jack and Teal'c um, are the only confirmed ones. Yeah, Jack and Teal'c are confirmed deaths. Daniel's pretty much And assumed. that's what we need to start talking about is, is Daniel I'm, dead I'm in assuming this universe it, it, as well. Okay, come on. It's Stargate. If you don't see Daniel, it's because he's dead. That's fair. That is fair. I can't really argue with you on that. Alright, 
So, so we're going with uh, Sam's the only one who didn't die in this episode. Because <laughs> alternate Teal got killed. Jack died before. Sam's the only one who survived. Uh, so, which honestly tracks, because she's like the one who tends to survive the most out of the Because she's the I smartest. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Alright, um, are you a Jack or are you a Jack? Oh, I am Jack. Aside, there's only one thing that puts me apart from Jack, which is, much like him, I also hate cliches, except for when I love them. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, Daniel was making some serious grabs for my attention, but I just, I mean, let's get, let's, let's get down to the two most important things here. I detest cliches as much as Jack does and will complain about them as much as he does. And two, mm-hmm. I am also in love with Sam. Now, I might also be in love with Daniel, but much like in Stargate, my endgame is with Sam. I'm gonna have to go with Daniel for this one, just because, as you've heard with me talking about this episode, I don't have nearly as much patience for what Badwig was doing as Jack did in this episode. I would have told her to, to stop way before he did. I know he did still, like, tell her, like, hey, you know, I'm not him, blah, 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 but I would have laid down the fucking law with her long before he did, so... I would have been proposing. Yeah, so that's why you're Jack and I'm Daniel. Because <laughs> I can't, I can't with her. I can't with her. <laughs> and and Daniel was uh, very useful in this episode. He, you know, he had solutions. <laughs> he was a distraction. He was sassy to Apophis when it was probably not smart to do that. You can always count on him to be sassy boy. I love See, him. like that was one of the moments that I, I, I was—I like... was almost Daniel. Don't get like I—it was—it was—it was a good run that he made. <laughs> all right, so thumbs up, thumbs, thumbs up. down. Even with all of my complaining, I do enjoy this episode. Fuck, are you, Tor Alexander? There you are. <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's a thumbs up. It's a, it's a strong episode. Um, I, I enjoy the hell out of it. The only part I don't enjoy, it's a, it's a personal thing. Could you use some Dr. Frazier? Some more Dr. Frazier. Yeah, we barely had her. Yeah, we had some good Hammond Yeah, scenes. I did enjoy him actually getting some spotlight for once. He always is just kind of the background dude. I know it's because he's supposed to be mm-hmm. the background figure that, you know, guides yeah. and protects them. It was nice seeing him like, I'll never tell yeah, you. Yeah, it was cool getting to see like some badass getting... Hammond. It was great. We already oh, know yeah. he's badass. But I, I like, I like that him. Hammond. Yeah. So, that is it for this week. Next week, we're going to watch Season 3, Episode 7. Dead Man Switch. Can't wait. I love so this excited. episode. So excited. Can't hide it. Oh my god. I'm so ready. I'm Your so body excited. is ready. I mean, no, my body is ready for sleep. Uh, but I'm looking forward to this episode. It's gonna be good. It's some good shit. It's Robert C. Cooper again, which has never failed us. <laughs> it's very, I, I just like Predator references more than anything. It's, yeah, it's, oh god, yeah. Can't wait to see him, uh, do some great shit in SGU, because everything you told me about SGU feels like it's going to match he's, him perfectly. He's a good genre writer, man. He knows his genre, and yeah. he knows how to... His science usually makes sense, for the most part. I love Robert C. Cooper. But yeah, so that is it for this week. If you want to get a hold of us, you can find me on Twitter at ItSmellNotLess, or our podcast Twitter at PointOfOriginPC. You can also email us at PointOfOriginCast at gmail.com. Or write something on the side of a tissue box and toss it through the nearest wormhole. You can find links to things we talked about during the show in the show notes. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Thank you for joining us on our incursion through the iris. And until next time. Bye.